Good day, Chatterfeeds fans. Josh Redman here. Along with me, as always, is one, Mr. Brandon Luisi. Brandon, have you been feeding the Whataburger addiction lately or no? Um, So not in the last two weeks. I've okay. not gone in the last. Actually, you know what? That's a lie. I was in Amarillo to broadcast the road games last weekend. Uh, shout out to the Jackalopes. Weekend sweep in Amarillo. So they won the season series there. Um, we did get Whataburger Saturday night at 1.30 in the morning. Man. Yeah. Green oh, yeah. to be here. So, Brandon, we had Gordy Gundaker on last week, guest number one. Episode three, we have guest number two. And I got a great introduction here for guest number two, and I hope he likes what I have drummed up. So, with that being said, Chatter from the Cheap Seats fans, get out of your seats. Make some noise for the voice of the most prestigious, rewarding tour on dirt. We give you the most wanted, baddest outlaws and the most powerful late models on the planet. It's the voice of the world of Outlaws Late Models, Mr. Ruben Morales. I absolutely love it. That is awesome, man. I, I tell you what, when I started that four wide, a lot of people loved my Dirt Car Summer Nationals four wide, and I did that for five years, and, and it grew. Every time I go to the, the tracks, I'm like, man, uh, most grueling, demanding, frenetic tour on the planet. And when I started this deal, man, I, uh, I was hoping that that, you know, catch on, and I like it, and I'm, I really appreciate that. I mean, that was a great intro. And uh, glad to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. We greatly appreciate it. As I mentioned, Ruben Morales, the voice, the official voice of the Case Construction World of Outlaws Late Model National Touring Series. If you listened last week, you heard Gordy Gundaker talk a little bit about that. So Gordy Gundaker is a man that Ruben is very familiar with. But Ruben, first things first, you are from Las Cruces, New Mexico. How did you get into doing play-by-play and -play dirt late model racing? Yeah, so this is a very fun story. It's a long story. So for everyone to this, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good, pretty long podcast because as you know, I talk a lot. Um, well, it started like this. I was a little kid and I'm a boring person to talk to when it comes to movies, uh, shows, and stuff like that. Because growing up as a little kid, I I, I was always outside doing things i was playing in the dirt right like i'd be with my dad working my dad owned a masonry company and i'd be out there working with my dad and one day was a sunday he was building a church and the contractor told him hey your kid's too young i'm only like six years old at this point six seven and he's like hey your kid's too young that's child labor you can't have him on the job site and they're working on a sunday because this project's delayed and they got to meet the deadline so my dad has to drive me all the way home. He drops me off and I'm like, well, what do I do now? You know, I was like, whatever. I was kind of bummed out. So I didn't want to go outside or do anything. I was just in the living room and I was like, you know what? I'm going to turn the TV on. Let's see what there is to watch. And I turned it on and NASCAR is at Talladega. And I'm like, holy cow, you know, the big one, the Jimmy Johnson was like at the rear and he came to win the deal. I, I don't know. It was, it was just awesome. I was like, man, I'm hooked. So every Sunday I started watching NASCAR when I was just six, seven years old old i can't really remember but i started watching nascar and uh one time i came across an advertisement that said el paso speedway park on it and i'm like nascar does not come to el paso texas so for those of you that don't know geography geogra you know what i mean on the map the tippy tip of texas that's where i'm from anthony new mexico so literally kick a stone down here in texas so the little tippy tip of texas las cruces is 30 minutes north of that el paso is about 15 minutes south of that so i went to el paso texas el paso speedway park and I'm like, man, this is cool. You know, my, we went, it was like 4th of July weekend, 
fireworks. There was 305 sprint cars. And I was like, man, I'm hooked in this dirt stuff. This is awesome. So we started going every Friday. Well, the announcer there was Brian Holbert, who y'all know did ASCS national tour for the longest time. And congrats to him. He just got uh, on the USAC deal. Um, so anyway, he would always announce at both tracks. So every Friday night, he'd be like, hey, join us tomorrow night, Saturday night, Southern New Mexico Speedway. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. So I told my dad, I was like, hey, let's go. Next thing you know, guys, six years. Went to both races, both tracks, never missed a race. We missed one race, one time. But other than that, never missed a race at both of my local tracks. We were there, dedicated. Gates would open at 5.30. We'd be there at 6. I was the first kid in the concession stand line, <laughs> ready to rock and roll. Um, but other than that, so the way I got into the announcing part, now this was six years of going nonstop, right? I was dedicated. I loved it. And, and I knew... Uh, no one in my family likes racing. No one, only me. My dad took me because, you know, that was what, what we did. Um, my mom got into it too, because that's what, you know, what I liked. But for the most part, I taught my dad everything. If if I wanted to keep him going to the races that first, second year, he's like, yeah, this is good to go every once in a while. I'm like, no, they run every weekend. So I had to teach him how the points was, how the tracks change. When I first went to the races, I thought there was always concrete or asphalt underneath the dirt because you know it slicks off so i was like oh that's interesting and nope i ended up learning you know all that stuff of how the track just changes throughout the night and i taught my dad and he's like wow that's really interesting so we started going and i i just always got wanted to get into into it more not just being being there every weekend like i wanted to get involved more so there was this lady named candace she sat next to us at southern new mexico speedway now this lady is the hardcore race fan that goes to every race she knows what almost every driver had for lunch right like that's how much she knew right she knew all <laughs> these guys on a personal level and she was awesome well my dad ended up sponsoring one of these modified guys and i wanted to get into racing i told my dad hey let's let's get a let's get a stock car something right and he's like Man, we'd love to. We could have, but we wouldn't know what we'd be doing. There's a lot of engineering that goes in behind it that, you know, we, we average fans don't see, right? Like, so we're like, you know, you're right. I don't know. I, I really don't know what I'm doing. Probably go out there and, and wreck and I don't know, probably a bad deal, right? So we ended up sponsoring this guy, Rob Madrid. He was always running in the back, guys. He was He was a modified driver, always in the back, but I respect him because he builds his own race cars. He builds his own engines. It was all black car, no sponsors on it awesome looking white green number 12 and i told my dad hey this guy his grandparents would always sit in front of us in el paso older couple they were awesome they were always there rooting on his number 12 although he was always in the back so we ended up sponsoring him that flash forward we're at championship night southern new mexico speedway the next year we sponsored him brand new engine we sponsored him tires for every race and all this deal and uh, he ended up winning the championship that night the next year after we sponsored him so that was really cool because it was a three-way not a tie, but it was like seven points between the top three, him, Patrick Carney, and uh, I forget who else, but it was some real drivers back then. And um, anyway, championship night, we're in the stands before, and I'm talking to Joe, which is Rob's dad. And Joe's like, hey, why don't you get into racing? And I'm like, oh, man, that'd be awesome. Do you think Rob would build me a car? He's like, Rob would build you a car in a hurry. And I'm like, really? He's like, oh, yeah, but can I tell you something? And I'm like, what's that? He's like, you wouldn't be a good race car driver. And I'm like, what? So you got me all excited. And then you tell me that. So I'm like, okay, so what do you mean by that? But the reason he said that is because he told me you'd be good for writing the stories. Now, keep in mind, I'm in middle school at this point. I'm in eighth grade, getting ready to be a freshman in high school. I did not like writing or, or reading or none of this. I was like, man, no, like, I don't know about that. But I did get into the stories. I loved all that stuff. And he's like, you'd be good for that. So Candace overheard us that night. So once that night ended, we were going down to the pits. My dad had a bad ankle at the time. And uh, Candace would take me down. And I said, she knows everybody. So at the pit gate, before you enter the, the pits, the score, 
the race director, the flagman, the promoter would all hang out there. And we're on our way down and Candace stops and they're in a big old circle. And uh, I'm just in my head, like, come on, lady, like, I want to get to the pits, right? Like, I want to go, you know, meet the drivers, even though I've met them a thousand times already. And she brings up my name in the conversation. She's like, hey, Brian, I know someone that would love to do your job. Ruben right here. I'm like, whoa, no, 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 absolutely not. Like, believe it or not, guys, I was a very shy kid growing up. Like, it's cool. I was, I'm not, I don't want to say I wasn't social because I mean, I guess I, I was social, but I was just very quiet. And uh, I kind of still am quiet. I know that's kind of hard to believe, but um, I was very shy. Uh, I'm not so shy now, but he gave me that opportunity. He's like, hey, come on up to the tower next week, two trophy dashes. You get to do them. I'm like, all right. Next week comes around, and you know, this whole week I've been thinking about it. And I'm just like, man, am I really going to go up there? Uh, well, Saturday comes around and, and the, the, the first of three sprint car heat races hit the racetrack. And after that is when they do the trophy dashes. She's like, well, you're going to start heading up there. And I'm like, oh, man, my heart like dropped, right? Like biggest butterflies of my life. And she's like, come on, go up there. I'm like, no, nope, not going to do it. Not going to do it. I sat heat race one out, heat race two. She's like, you better start heading up there. So I go up there all 32 steps up to the tower. <laughs> I counted. it. I was nervous, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> I opened that door. Brian turns. He's like, oh, you showed up. And I'm like, absolutely. I showed up. Let's do this. You know, I'm super nervous though. So I get up there. Trophy, the trophy dash is getting ready to come on. He's like, all right, here's a, he gave me a little paper. He's like, here are the four names. Here are the drivers. These are stock cars. I was like, cool. I already know these guys. I don't need that. Give me the mic. Let's go. I'll tell you what, boys, I blew the roof off that place, even though they ain't got a roof. You know what I mean? And then, and then Brian's like, all right, let's slow down. Let's slow down. Those were stock cars. Sprint cars are next. Are you sure you could do those? I think they're a little too fast for you. I was like, give me the mic. Let's go. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, like, they were, their jaws were glued to the floor they were like holy cow like he's not, not bad like i was actually pretty good because i knew the drivers i knew that the car numbers like i knew all these guys hometowns because i'm always listening to brian every night and right. you know, I, I buy the programs are like two bucks and i mean i i still have all those programs way back then and yeah man, man i was passionate so that's where it all started at el paso speedway park friday nights and that was september of 2011 when he gave me the two trophy dashes and everyone after that said, Hey kid, you got big shoes to fill the next couple of weekends. Cause after that, it was the championship night for the X mods. And then the next week was mod week. And then we had a couple other big shows, ASCS national tour, fall nationals. And everyone kept telling me, you got big shoes to fill kid, big shoes to fill. And I finally got tired of it. I was like, what do you mean? The photographer, the promoter, the videographer, everyone kept telling me you got big shoes to fill kid. And I'm like, okay, y'all keep telling me this. What's the deal. He's like, you come to every race, listen to Brian at the end of the last race. Steve Kinzer comes and wins, just whoops the whole field, ASCS National Tour Night. And Brian breaks into the speech once he's done interviewing Steve Kinzer. He's like, well, race fans, I got good news and I got bad news. The good news is ASCS National Tour has picked me up to be their touring announcer. The bad news is I'm no longer your announcer. So everyone's all like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's my <laughs> turn, baby. So I ended up getting a Facebook over the offseason, contacted Royal Jones. And Royal Jones, which is very familiar, I'm sure, to a lot of you guys, Messia Valley Transportation, sponsors Mike Marler, Bobby Pierce, a lot of sprint car guys. Um, yeah, so he's the one that gave me my start. I met his, I met him in December 6th, the 2011, and I started 2012 at 12 years old, and then I turned 13. Nice. So that you know, that's really kind of a cool story that you, you know, one of them things that you were in the right place, right time, you went up there, you knocked their socks off. Kind of, and, you know, maybe it's a, a blessing in disguise that you weren't aware that it was an audition per se. So 
being a broadcaster and I, my wife and I have listened to you from when you did the summer nationals hell tour. The one thing I love, and I'm kind of the same way when I'm broadcasting a game, I like, I like a lot of energy, but I like quirky, funny little sayings. And this is the very first one that got me. It was at Lincoln Speedway. It was a modified heat. I can't remember who the two drivers were. They were battling for the lead. They cross the stripe. They go into one and two. And you said so-and-so. They go into turn one and two, door panel to door panel, Hoosier to Hoosier. And it was a great slider move. Guy took the lead. And you just bust out without breaking a stride. Who's your daddy? <laughs> and, you know, it's it's one of them things that, like, if it, how it never was made into a sound clip, I don't, or a sound bite, I don't know. But my wife and I just looked at each other and said, did he just do a play on words with who's your daddy with who's your daddy? And we died laughing. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I just like to have fun with it, right? Um, uh, Rick Eshelman was the king of that, and he will always be the king of them one-liners. But and I, I tell you, I'm I'm not the funniest guy, but I, I sometimes, you know, the Hoosier to Hoosier, I was like, that's an opportunity, right? Who's your daddy? And the other favorite, the, the one I get approached on, approached on a lot throughout the years, man, I love me my cream cheese on a bagel, <laughs> the yeah. smoother than cream cheese on a bagel, yep. And I actually, and you and I talked about this because I I brought that up to you that I like the smoothest cream cheese on a bagel because. Being in hockey, I have one when a player does, has a filthy breakaway and they score, I will say they go in smooth as grandma's gravy. I like that. And, you know, kind of going back to that with the, the funny sayings and the catchphrases and one-liners, my the first year I did hockey play-by-play was during COVID. And the team I worked for, they got an exemption through the state of Illinois to be able to play no fans in the building. So it was, I, honest to God, you could have heard an ant fart under the bleachers in a blanket. <laughs> it was so quiet. In that place. And one of the team owners says, I don't care what you do. I don't care what you say, just bring energy. And I'm thinking, where am I going to pull it from? Because there's nobody in here. But I had a kid's mom towards the end of the season. Uh, we, had, we had a game at home. I had packed up and my wife and I were leaving, had my grandson with us. And I, my grandson and I were talking and this guy goes, are you Josh? I said, I am. And he goes, can you wait right here? He goes, I got to get my wife. My wife's got to meet you. I'm like, okay. You know, I'm nothing in particularly special here, but she had like taken on a notepad on her phone and every one liner and anything humorous that I had said had like kept track of all that. And I'm like, I guess that's when you know you arrive when somebody, <laughs> when somebody bashes you online and when they're like make keeping track of everything you say and make a point of uh, in a broadcast, you know. That that's funny. I mean, I don't know. You know, there's always going to be those negative haters, and and I'm not going to lie, man. When I first came onto the scene, you know, in 2018 is really when I first came onto the I don't want to say national scene, but national scene when I did the summer nationals. Um, I was new to the Midwest, right? And and I got a lot of, not hate, but a lot of critique, right? Because I'm used to just announcing at my weekly tracks, you know, sure. there's there's fans, and then there's super knowledgeable, knowledgeable fans. But of course, I'm not streamed every night, right? And and then you came to Summer Nationals, my first two years, I want to say maybe three, I think it was two was on Dirt on Dirt. 
And after that, Dirt Vision took over, and we did it on Dirt Vision. And fans are very knowledgeable in late model racing. I will say that. I know nothing about hockey. Um, I, I barely found out there was three periods. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I thought, it, you know, I, I watched one day, and I was like, look, it's halftime already. And no, there's there's two halftimes. I didn't know that. Anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, so, yeah, there's knowledgeable fans, man. And, and there's fans that, you know, Brian always told me nine of the ten times, the average fan will not even catch your mistake. And, and you know, it's it's easy to get on your keyboard and be a hater and stuff like that. But Hey, like Scott Bloomquist said, bad publicity is good publicity, baby. <laughs> Absolutely. And actually Brandon and I had that. So Brandon was my intern and we had, Oh, we're going there. Our, oh, we're going there. Our, our rival is uh, St. Louis, the St. Louis junior blues. And we were doing the game and a lady like pops up on Twitter. Cause I run the Twitter and the Facebook and everything saying how bad we were oh man and so i just switched over to my twitter and i said thank you for your kind words constructive criticism is always a good thing and i like to learn from professionals and she ended up blocking myself and brandon and that so yeah you know that's and that's the thing like growing up when i was 12 years old you know I, i'm not gonna lie guys you, i I hate to bring attention on this, but you go back and find videos of me announcing back at Southern New Mexico Speedway 2012, uh, 13, 14. Like, guys, that was before puberty. Like, <laughs> there's a funny <laughs> there's a funny video out there of saying, getting ready to come to green off of turn number four. Here we go! You know what I mean? It was one of those crazy things. And, and the video's out there. Um, but people are always going to be negative. It started when I first started, people were like, man, this announcer sucks. And then Royal would get on Facebook and be like, he's 12 years old. Shut up. And they're like, Oh, he's 12 years old. Holy crap. At 12 years old. I, I didn't even know what I was doing what I wanted in life. Right. So <laughs> now nah, for all the haters out there, man, they're, they're not even worth the energy. And, and how you said constructive criticism is the number one thing. Like I'll get on Facebook or I'll get on X and, and I'll read stuff and people be like, Oh, he sucks. Or it's like, nails on a chalkboard okay all those comments are just ignorant but if i read a comment that says ruben oh man like i'm gonna be honest i i just don't like your announcing maybe if you just did this different or maybe so but yeah it's awesome you know okay then there's some sense into that right like if they actually yeah. have some sense into it, then okay i'll actually take the time and actually read that and maybe think about it well i will think about it and then be like okay maybe i'll change that maybe i won't change that right like i'm not gonna lie i will be honest there since 2018, I've read some comments and I'm like, okay, you know, maybe I do say this a lot, or maybe that doesn't sound right, uh, or things like that. So I took that into consideration and kind of changed my thing, but I'm not going to change everything that they say. Right. But, um, and obviously that's stuff that I just keep to myself. People will never know what comments, what things I've changed from comments, but you know, just things like that. But for the most part, 99% of it is just ignorance. Don't listen to it. That's the best advice I give you. Just be you. Oh yeah. That's, and that's what I said. You know, I, I actually posted about it on Facebook and just said, that's how you know when you've arrived. When I think when someone can find the negative in what you do, I mean, let's be honest. We're, we're, we do play-by-play -play in one of the fastest sports. You do play-by-play -play in one of the fastest motor sports. It can be a tough gig. I mean, I don't, it, really, it really can be. I, I, I don't know. How you guys do it with, well, I'm going to use qualifying as a perfect example. Last week when I brought Gordy in, I did like the whole qualifying spiel. I, I heard that. Yep. And I'm going to be honest with you. I tripped on Missouri trying to say it in a timely fashion. I don't know how on earth 
You do it with two, three, or four cars out there and get them all in and get their times in before the next group comes out. I mean, that... Yeah. I, I You know, it's not easy, and a lot of people may think it's easy, right? Like, put, put yourself in this situation. Like, when I watch... Uh, TV and watch, I watch a sporting event. You know what I mean? Oh, we could say, oh, he should have caught that ball. Oh, he should have he should have made that goal in hockey or whatever it may be, right? Okay, put yourself in their in their shoes, right? Like, first of all, you're sitting on the couch eating potato chips with guac, and they're out there already sweating. They're super tired. They're probably cramping up. You know what I mean? You don't know what's happening with them, and that's anything, right? In dirt racing, oh, he's an idiot for spinning out. Okay, you don't know if there was a part failure. You don't know how that car is handling. You don't know if there's a bump there. You don't know if maybe a rut hit his hand and he moved his hand and it jerked the wheel. You just don't know these things, right? And some of these things we'll never know. So um, the, the best thing I could say, again, is just it's so easy for people to – just say negative things and honestly sometimes people just don't i don't know they just don't understand it the best thing i've said uh growing up i was like hey here's the mic you do it but instead i have one better now I'll be like you know what i would love to say here's the mic and do it how about you set up the mic you set up the equipment you could get your own notes and then do it you know what i mean there's so much more than us just picking up a microphone and having fun that's the only thing the audience see but like how you said in qualifying I got to go out there. If there's 60 drivers, I got to talk to all these guys, get those sponsors, get the chassis, get the engine, write all that down. And then all of us have a different way of doing it. I have it on my computer on an Excel sheet, a VLOOKUP file, and I, and I could pull all that stuff up. I, you know, stats, that is very time consuming, uh, doing research and stuff. So there's just a lot more behind the scenes, setting up equipment, right? A lot of people don't even know what an SDI cable is or an XLR cable is, or, or, you know, how to use, uh, sound equipment, like all that stuff comes into play. And sometimes a lot of people don't see what's happening. Like, oh man, he, he really messed up there. Okay. I'm trying to announce and maybe something broke on the broadcast that I'm trying to fix at the same time where I'm trying to pay attention and fix something and still talk. So, you know, sometimes I may miss a thing or something like that, but people never know what's happening behind the scenes. There's, there's just so much to it. Yeah. And you actually segued into something I was going to talk about here is your race day prep where Brandon and I have it, I'm not going to say easy, but we have like databases we can look into, stuff like that. Yeah. With you traveling around, you know, with the, the Summer Nationals Tour and now with the World of Outlaws, you're going to places where local drivers, regional drivers are going to be there that you don't necessarily know them from Paul and the Apostles, right? Yeah. So you, you've got, if it's a one-day show... What do you do to prepare for one of those tracks where you might have 60 late models, 70 late models there, and you've got to do the announcing? Yeah, so back then, I used to do it all literally on race day, like driver stuff-wise. I would, I would, Summer Nationals, great example. And Summer Nationals, I'm telling you what, boys. <laughs> Summer Nationals is the hardest thing you'll ever do. Having to race every single night except Mondays for five weeks straight, different track every night. That's hard because I set up the Dirt Vision equipment for the announcer stuff. Uh, we have a Dirt Vision road crew that goes out there and they do like cameras and nat mics and satellites, stuff, all that stuff. But I I basically am in charge of the tower, right? Like I set up my, my wireless mics. I set up my bread box with all my XLRs. I set up the computer. I set up the all that stuff that you could imagine. Headset, mics, all that stuff. I connect to the house, finding the, that house amplifier. I'm just saying those things. But anyway, so that takes a big part of the day already, getting there early. And then – having to go and talk to these guys. I am, again, I am the biggest race fan you'll ever meet. I, I'm, I just, I love what I do and I love this stuff. And, 
a lot of the local guys, I, you guys are from Peoria, right? Am I, am I, is that correct? You guys from Peoria? Yeah. Illinois? I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm there for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So for example, Todd Bennett, the T2 late model, right? Every time I went to Peoria every year, I'd talk him up. Why? Because he has what, 16 Peoria Speedway track championships or whatever it may be. Like, I, I don't have my stats pulled up right now, but he's like the legend there, right? Like it's, uh, I always love to dig into the story. So what I do I go and talk to the guys. I physically, personally go up and talk to these drivers. If I see a new late model unload, I go to them. If there's 604, 602 that not ask them, hey, are you guys super 604? If they say super, I'm right there talking to them. Sometimes it may be a minute only, but I make it efficient. I'd be like, hey, how many years have you been in a super late model? Do you have any track championships? Or uh, or no, it's like my first race ever. Oh, that's a great story. What what did you race before? Oh, we ran modifieds. Or, you know, I just talk to them, get to know them a little bit. And that's honestly how I do it because you just can't Google a certain name and, and right. expect all these stats and starts. Right. So, but with the world of outlaws, we're fortunate. We have a database and stuff and, and I have built, and I'm still working on it right now because we don't race for a couple of weeks here, but I am very fortunate. I, I work on these stats, right? Like a bunch of stats and just database starts, best finishes, stuff like that. So uh, yeah, man, that's, that's what I do. You have to go up there and, and talk to the guys. And that's one of the things that brian holbert told me at the very beginning your best friend as an announcer is going to be your paper and pen and you say absolutely perfectly summer nationals it's right around 29 events and what 32 33 days you're racing every day but um mondays and it begins in early mid-ish june and runs through late july and it concludes the modified portion concludes at the Prairie Dirt Classic. So one thing, keep in mind, you're out there in July, in the afternoon, in the heat, in the sunshine, and Lord knows how late you were up the night before, how early you were up that morning. So there's a lot, you, you're absolutely right. You know, there's a, there's a ton of work that goes into it, but that sticking with the summer nationals before we get into your, the uh, world outlaws scheduler, what is that travel like for the broadcaster? I mean, being up, setting everything up doing your your prep work and then after all your prep work you're doing a show that starts at but what right around six o'clock and yep. you may not get done with the the last feature until 10 30 11 o'clock well then you have all your tear down and everything else to do what what goes into that for you so going back to my summer national days my first year 2018 it was four guys in a pickup truck and the command center, which is our trailer. We'd go up and down the road. And then when, when we did it full-time with Dirt Vision, we kind of grew because we had a big screen on the road. Then we had a Dirt Vision truck and a trailer as well. So basically, this is the way it, it goes. And it's no different with the Outlaws, kind of. But Summer Nationals, it's just more frenetic. So basically, you wake up in the morning. I don't know, 8, 9 a.m. And usually, we like to centralize ourselves in a central location. So if we're racing... Uh, Peoria, Farmer City, Fairbury, uh, you know, we like to stay in Bloomington. That's more centralized, right? Or we'd stay in Springfield, whatever. We just centralize ourselves. So on average, we have about an hour to an hour and a half drive to every racetrack. So we wake up at eight, you know, get some food, drive to the track. Once you get to the track, we have to unload the dirt car trailer. You, you have your buggies, you have your tents, you have your scoring equipment, your announcing equipment. You have, I mean, just so much stuff that has to go and we have to go to the tower, set all that up. Sometimes these tracks, you know, we're racing during the weekday. So their local announcer probably won't show up till 
15 minutes before hot laps. Sometimes the towers are locked and you can't get into the box to set up. You know, sometimes you may not get help at the facility because the promoter's out there watering the racetrack. Um, And that's probably the only person on property right there. And then, so it's just uh, things like that that take up time and you set your stuff up. I connect to the house, you know, leave music playing. and, And by the time I get back down, the pits have probably already been open and, you know, you just start, you know, getting information and, and hopefully you have everybody by the time the driver's meeting come and, you know, just go back and forth, set up in the, in the command center with my laptop, type everything in and just go back out there, you know, modifieds as well. Right. That's one thing summer nationals I had to do modify. There are a ton of modifieds and I love the modifieds, but man, there are a ton of them and I want to make sure I get everybody. So that's really the daily routine. And, and once it's all over, tear down, right? You got to tear down everything up in the tower. You got to tear down everything in the, in the dirt car side uh, the, where you start for registration, where you set up all that stuff, load all the trailer back up and on the road again. And next thing you know, it's literally 12, 1 AM. You're going to bed at two and wake up at eight, nine to do it all over again. It's uh, that's just a concise version, but yeah, that's really uh, it's a whole day's work. And a guy like you, I can say, cause I've watched the summer nationals damn near every race in the summer nationals for the past i think four years you're doing it with a smile on your face and a song in your heart and energy in your body i can tell you that much no yeah man it's just uh you know i wouldn't have wanted to spent my summers any other way and that's one thing that royal jones told me at the very beginning when i was 12 years old i remember sitting at his desk he's like you know if you're going to be my announcer, I want you to know you can't miss Fridays. You can't miss Saturdays. When your friends are going to the beach, going to the lake, going on vacation, when they're doing things like that, you're going to be at my speedway. And I'm like, absolutely. I'm going to be <laughs> at your speedway. You know what I mean? So that's part of the commitment, right? Like 4th of July, I spent 4th of July's some days. Most of the time was at Brownstown, which is now Brownstown Bullring or, uh, Fayette, you know, there in Fayetteville. Um, Sometimes we'll be at a laundromat doing laundry and trying to catch up on sleep. You know, it, it just depends. It's it's not always glorious on, on the road like it may seem like. You know, people uh, like, for example, it was a crew guy that worked for one of our outlaw teams last year came from Montana. It's like, man, you guys make it seem so glorious out there. But then you come out here and do it. It's like it's a grind, man. It's not as easy as it looks. Like, no, it's not. Even these teams, right? They spend so much time, effort money to go drive these things just for about 50 laps ain't that crazy (laughs) yeah yes it is and looking or moving ahead from the the summer nationals you were the guy that they gave the tap on the shoulder to take over the world of outlaws gig with the case construction world of outlaws late models um exciting year this year this summer coming up i highly encourage anybody listening if there is a show within a drive highly recommend going and supporting but you went from a 29 race schedule in 33 days to a what 54 55 show 50 yep. 55 53 i believe is what it is exactly from you start in january down in barbersville florida volusia speedway park and you're going to end in november at the dirt track at charlotte and concord north carolina with the world finals and you have all them shows sandwiched in between What's the travel like for that? I mean, do you get to go home on like when you have like the two weeks off, do you get to go home and kind of get yourself mentally and physically ready to go for the big stretch runs? Yeah, absolutely. Or I could stay stay out. And, uh, you know, we, we have a very fun crew. I will say that from Dirt Vision 
to the world of outlaw side, like our officials, we love to, we love to play golf. Um, we love to go out and have fun uh, in between races. So uh, I, I'm, I'm on the road a lot. I like to stay out a lot. Sometimes I'll go home. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, between once the season, get, season gets busy, like we're getting ready to go seven weeks in a row or something like that. Uh, we're about to race eight out of nine weekends or something like that coming up. So, you know, I'd be on the road a lot. I'll stay out a lot. Uh, no, it, it's a lot of fun. How I said at the end of the day, when, when we get to do what we get to do, we're very fortunate to get to do what we get to do. Um, we're very lucky race fans. I, at least I, you know, that's the way I feel. And, and we all feel that way, right? It's the world about us, the top of the top of dirt little racing. You can go like I, in my you can't go any bigger in dirt racing, right? Like, unless if you go world of outlaw sprint cars, but that, you know, I, I'm a fender guy. I, you know, I love this deal. And now, man, I, I stay on the road. Um, I come home too. Um, I just always have to stay on top of my game because the way I look at it, I, I always have a chip on my shoulder because I always want to go in and I'm not saying it's a competition, right? But I don't want to go into a race where the local announcer outdoes me. And I'm not, again, what I'm trying to say is it's just I have a chip on my shoulder because I always got to perform. These fans pay so much money on tickets, subscriptions, travel, all this stuff. And I'm not saying I'm the show because absolutely not. I am never the show, but we're a damn big part of it. Those drivers that strap in to those, you know, put life and death in the line and, and put those helmets on, they are the show. We just get to enjoy what we get to do. But what I'm saying is the announcer isn't the show, but we're a damn big part of it. So that's why I like to take time to prepare stats and storylines and talk to these guys to, to give that insight to the fans, to create engagement. I've had so many people, and this is the number one thing that I've actually had a lot of people come up to me in real life and message me and say, you know, Ruben, I appreciate you. I'm new to the sport. And I just love how you always break things down and explain things because you help me stay connected and just grow my knowledge. And sometimes those veteran fans will be like, don't explain that. We get it. Okay. I understand you. You get that. But look at the stands right at our weekly tracks. They're, they're going down, right? Like that's not a good thing. So when I get people come up to me and say, Hey, man, I'm new to the sport and I love the way you, and so to say dumb things down, you know what I mean? Like break things down and explain to them. Cause that really helps me understand the sport and it gets me involved. Well, guess what? Bam, we got another race fan. Bam, we got another race fan. And bam, we got another race fan. That's three more, you know, just right there in the seat, you know, the weekly racetrack. So, um, yeah, that's, that's just one of the things, right? Like uh, in between races, uh, I'm very tired, like between PDC and USA Nationals. Holy cow, those take out the <laughs> every ounce of energy I got. I mean, I probably slept for three days in a row after USA nationals. Cause I was whooped, <laughs> but, uh, no, nah, man, I, uh, just, you know, stay on the road, have fun, play golf, uh, you know, experience new places and, and just, uh, you know, always find time to stay on top of my game. So that was PD. I'm a huge PDC guy. And I remember, I remember the PDC before it was, was what it is now. Um, I, you know, I remember going with my dad when I was a kid, and my wife and I have gone a few times as well, but that that's a huge deal. I mean, that's a weekend that a lot of guys look forward to in the world of outlaws realm. I mean, just fans coming out of every direction at that place on, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to guess you, you guys probably get there on Wednesday, but when you put, when you pull into the speedway at February, do you just kind of take a breath and look <laughs> back and be like, we're here and we're going to rock it this weekend. 
uh, this is an audio podcast, so people won't see this, but we're on Zoom here, and we're, I'm just smiling. You saying Fairbury, right? Saying PDC. Yeah, we usually get there a day, sometimes two days early. If we're on the road, we'll def- sometimes we'll be there three days early, four days early. It just depends uh, where we're coming from. Like, for example, uh, this year, well, I guess that's after. But anyway, I, I don't know. We'll be there early. But yeah, you roll into town, man. You see golf carts around town, you know, on public street. You see... Matt Curl has done a great job with that facility. The new office, you know, you, you, you roll in and you look at the right, you're like, man, that's like, this is Fairbury, right? Like this is, this is late model country. So yeah, man, um, butterflies definitely every time we drive in or I step into that facility. And then speaking of the butterflies, I was, I have this written down in my notes here and I completely overlooked it on a race day. When you're getting ready to go on the air on dirt vision, you're grabbing the bike, getting ready. Do you get nervous? still uh yeah so you know obviously rest in peace to the greatest rick eshelman if it wasn't for him i wouldn't be here um i was 13 years old when i met rick um we were out in tucson arizona i I was only announcing the the b mods and the hornets at the time and then he's like i heard a lot about you let's see if you prove you know what you know whatever what all the hype is and he really liked me so the next weekend el paso speedway park we had a big show, NDRL back then at the time. And uh, he's all like, all right, we'll see. You know, I was driving with him. I was on the road with him. And we, we, we turned the street with the tracks on. And I was like, man, Rick, I just got super nervous. I got like massive butterflies. He's like, Cause he's, he told me, I'm going to let you announce with me tonight. And I was like, oh crap. You know what I mean? Like that's big, right? Like that's huge. And uh, we turned onto the street and dude, butterflies just rushed hardcore, like super butterflies. I'm like, Rick, I just got massive butterflies. And this is the best advice he ever told me. He's like, if you get butterflies, that means you want to do good and you care. So yes, every time I get that headset, I, I put it right in front of me and, you know, just say a quick little prayer or something and throw it on. And, you know, it, it those butterflies are there. But once once that I touch that unmute button, I'm in the zone. Like, we're locked in. Let's go. 100%. Yeah, that's what we talked about it, Brandon and I. And I... I am a huge, huge superstition guy. I would like to say I'm not superstitious. I'm just a little <laughs> stitious, but that would be a lie. I'm big on superstitions. So like on a, on a, on a Friday game day, for instance, when I leave home, going to the rink, I got to stop at the Casey's gas station, get a cup of coffee. I go the same way. And I I've got across the Illinois river to get into Peoria and I'm going down the hill into the river and I start, I start getting the nerves and, you know, then we have the rest of the way to the rink. I get there, things kind of calm down. And then it's, it's like a roller coaster ride until <laughs> game starts. And it's like, and you know, my, my wife even says that just means you love what you do and yep. you want to put the best product out there. You can put out there. She goes, if, if you weren't nervous, I'd be worried you weren't happy doing what you're doing. So I was like, yeah. So, but look, we've talked about Fairbury, some new tracks coming up this season for the world of outlaws, 16 new tracks coming in 2024 according to the release from the world of outlaws what one of those 16 tracks are you most forward looking forward to attending oh man uh there's a lot of fun ones um i i really really am looking forward to coming to to rocket raceway park uh going to texas and you know i'm from new mexico i was born in texas el paso but grew up in new mexico and I absolutely am a big, big fan of late models going out west. I used to work the Wild West shootout. 
I was a big part of that. Um, so I love when late models go out to Arizona, go out to New Mexico. When the World of Outlaws went to Vado in 2020, I was ecstatic. You know, I was like, I was like a kid at a candy shop. So I think my my the one I'm really looking forward to. I already have a four wide song for that one, by the way. I'm ready to play it. I'm ready to <laughs> rock and roll. Uh, tune in on Dirt Vision uh, September 28th to find out. But uh, yeah, Rocket Raceway is probably the one I'm really excited about because I'm telling you, there's a big market of racing over here. I'm really good friends with friends from Race On, which was known as Race On Texas. They recently just changed their brand. Guys, I've announced, me personally, at 103 racetracks, 17 of those I've announced in the Lone Star State. There's a big scene of race fans in the Lone Star State. There's a ton of racetracks out here that people don't see. Um, and, and I've traveled the whole Lone Star State and, and I've done some shows in Oklahoma. And, and I'm excited because the world of all the late models aren't like the sprint cars, right? Where they go to Washington, they go to California, they go all West and we don't do that. And I, I would love to see the late models do that, you know, but I, I just don't think it'll happen I don't know, never say never, right? But I don't think it'll happen in the near future. I think it would take like a big points fund or something like that to get guys to go out there. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to Rocket Raceway, uh, September 28th. Mark your calendars. Uh, there's a lot of race fans in Texas. I'm also looking forward to Boot Hill in Louisiana because I've never been to Louisiana. That'll be my 28th state, I believe I announced. And, and then uh, uh, Arrowhead, Oklahoma. I'm a little biased, right? It's more closer to home, but there's a lot of great racetracks, guys. And um, one of the tracks that I've been to that I'm really excited to get back to Highland and Spoon River Summer National Classics. I am I will tell you when I when I read the whole deal with with Spoon River and them kind of trying to revitalize Spoon River, great place to go. The amenities probably weren't the best as far as restroom facilities and concession stuff, but then yeah, I mean, but you know and you and you talked about it with people and getting the new fans in and getting the family of four to go out to just a regular weekly show when you're on the road with the world of outlaws if you're if you have an off weekend and you're somewhere will you sneak off maybe not sneak off but will you go to a local place that maybe you've never been to or you've been to once or twice and you just want to revisit to take in a show um, you know, some like when we went up to um, Michigan, we got rained out. We uh, some of us went up to Winston. Uh, that was cool. I it just it just depends, man. Sometimes um, we're just wore out, right? So we'll just stay back and do it. But if it's really close, yeah, I really thought about. I'm not gonna lie, I was at Volusia all two weeks, and I thought about going to East Bay for one night for the late models. But um, no, I didn't. I uh, I try to uh, every once in a while. I'm not gonna say I, I really, really, really do. But if there's a local local show or a big show that I know of that's close enough. I'll definitely go. Absolutely. But honestly, I don't think I've came across that opportunity very many times to say I really have. I know I really haven't. Um, but definitely if there's shows around, absolutely. I will. So we know that you're the voice of the world outlaws do mom and dad Morales subscribe to dirt vision and watch you to take it in. <laughs> no, I said no one in my family is really into racing. Oh. Uh, I know no one, no one in my family is in, And uh, I mean, it's, it is what it is. I, uh, um, yeah, no, my mom will watch the the recaps on YouTube and stuff like that, but that's about it. No, they, they really normally don't watch live, but, uh, no, they're definitely proud of me though. But yeah, no, I said no one in my family is into racing, which <laughs> it's all good. Hey, they're missing out. I, I enjoy it. I love it. All right, Brandon, you look like you got something you want to say. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I love that you mentioned, you know, visiting different uh, racetracks and stuff, because this is in all technicality, my first year as a play-by-play broadcaster full time. And, you know, I was so excited that I got to a team in the South division of the league that I work in because uh, the South division is known for traveling their broadcasters to road games. Um, While I haven't been to every single rink, it's been a lot of fun just exploring the different towns at Ben El Paso. Uh, we went to the, oh, wow. the, the El Paso County Event Center. Yep, I went there, I believe it was early October that we were, the last time we were there. Um, I go to Albuquerque this week for the second time. I've been to Shreveport, Louisiana, all these different places. I mean, how cool is it? And you kind of touched on it already, but just to do this for a living and be able to explore new places and see across the country and yet still do what you love. Yeah, man, it's it's honestly a dream come true. Like when I was a little kid, how I told you guys, I got into racing motorsports by watching NASCAR every Sunday. And I told myself as a little kid, I was like, you know, it'd be awesome to just go to every single NASCAR track, just follow them for a full season and do it all right. Like how cool would it go to like Daytona to Watkins Glen to California, right? Like that, that's awesome, right? Like I don't know. It's pretty neat to go see all these different facilities, different racetracks. Uh, it's like March Madness. I wasn't. I was at New Mexico State, the basketball band. So every year, March, our team was really good. So March Madness Sunday came around. It's like every single year. That's the moment we wait for. Because where are we going now? What arena are we going to? You know what I mean? So every year, it feels like that when the Outlaws get ready to release their schedule. For me, every year, Sam got ready to release the Dirt Car Summer National schedule. It's like, ooh, which new places am I going to? Yeah. Ooh, which which new states, new facilities, right? That's it's always it feels like um so not selection sunday yeah selection sunday every single year the schedule comes out it's uh it, it's awesome man seeing these new thing and the biggest part is experiencing the new towns the new places you know i went to nebraska for the very first time they're big on their runzas i never even heard of a runza until i got to nebraska so if you ever go to nebraska you have to try a runza um Sorry, Nebraskans, five out of 10, but hey, I still tried it. It was great. Uh, Take out the cabbage on it. Uh, Anyway, um, no, you know, it's fun. But the biggest thing is the people, Uh, getting to meet new people, getting to uh, just see how people work, you know, meeting a lot of different announcers, seeing how they work and operate. uh, It's really neat, especially the good ones. Yeah, absolutely. And I know this past weekend I was in Amarillo, as I mentioned, and you talked about how some people, you know, who get on their keyboard and just, you know, hate on you, they hate on you and they don't know what, what, you know, what you're doing behind the scenes. They only, you know, they think maybe you just put on a headset. So this past Friday, we were, um, we were in Amarillo and the game went to overtime. The team above us in the standings, the Oklahoma Warriors, they were in overtime. I was given a scoring update while trying to put my intermission graphic up and all that good stuff saying that we're going to overtime and Oklahoma had just lost in overtime. So I'm given the update. I see the referee in my peripheral vision. He's getting ready to drop the puck. And I go, and the Shreveport Mudbugs defeat the Oklahoma Warriors in overtime. Final score, three to two, meaning the Warriors only get one point. And I finish the word point. I look up. We have a two-on-one halfway already into the offensive zone. <laughs> and my heart sinks and I go and and done across the cat like shot save rebound they score and we we like won the game right there I was so not ready for it and I'm thinking to myself please God the null do not post that on your Instagram or Twitter <laughs> no more than 
15 minutes out of the arena, that call is on their Instagram and Twitter. And I go, you know what? Whatever. You know, we wanted yeah. an overtime. I'm in a good mood, <laughs> you know. And, and you know, people at the office, yeah, they were giving me crap for it. They said, oh, you didn't sound prepared for that one. I said, yeah. <laughs> hey, I should have waited on the scoring update for Shreveport. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's the funny thing because I mean it's it happens to all of us. Um, how I said, I think the most recent mistake that I've done in that case was a little over a year ago, and people gave me a bunch of crap for it, and I hate it because it was my first ever world of outlaws play by play by myself. It was when I took over the job and last year, Sunshine Nationals. It's it's on YouTube. We post everything on YouTube. I was like, oh, and Tim McCready is all up front, all alone, because I was working on something on Dirt Vision. That I, I was doing something. I forgot what I, I forget what it was. And because it was the final lap, not final lap. And I was like, oh, he's up up front all alone while he's getting passed for the lead. And the camera, of course, is on there. And I, I and I look up and I'm like, oh, Tim McCready lost the lead, like whatever it was. And I was like, oh, man. So I've been there. I've done it. I hate that it was my very first ever outlaw race, because like that's always going to be and forever will be my first ever, right? And, um, yeah, I hate that, that it went down like that. You know what Steve called me the next day. He's like, Hey, uh, how can we, how can we, you know, my boss, he's like, how can we avoid, make sure this don't happen? And I'm like, Steve, I probably, that's like the first time it's ever happened to me. Like it's, I've never done that damn mistake. I have a monitor in front of me. Like I could see the racetrack. I just, it was one of them things, you know? So I don't know. It happens to the best of us. Right. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I actually, this year, I, I made my first on air unsavory oh, language. Yeah totally accidentally and um there was a a turnover in our defensive zone that led to a visiting team goal and it was it was one of them games where you know the the boys were just working their butts off working their butts off couldn't get any bounces there was a, a sloppy turnover and the visiting team scored I, they score you know right off who scored and i just kind of looked down and went fuck <laughs> and i meant to say it in my head but my head told my mouth to say it. And that was on the, and truth be told, nobody even knew what happened. Cause when I was talking oh. about it, our head coach is like, I cut film. I never heard it. I was like, <laughs> I know it came out. Cause I heard it in my ears. Cause with my head on, I, I heard it in my ears. Ha have you ever let anything slip out when you're, when you're going? Uh, <laughs> oh man. I hate the story and definitely He's not turning red. Yeah. I, uh, one time I, it was just a lot of technical difficulties happening in the back. One of the guys came up and, and uh, said, uh, Hey, there's no audio. Nothing's coming through. And I, I'm, I'm weird, man. I, uh, I love calling qualifying. Qualifying is my favorite thing to do all night. And um, Spencer Hughes just broke a track record and man, I local announcer starts pulling wires and the, oh man, 120 degrees open infield tower scores trying to talk to me i can't hear him it's so loud there's cars in the track it just it was just one of them deals yeah yeah you know one of them f-bombs came out but <laughs> i i i mean uh definitely not proud of it for sure you know I me mean? but what's the crazy thing about it um i had i actually had a lot of messages after that i probably had i don't know 70 messages or something and uh a lot of them were hey i'm gonna be honest i don't like you but i like you now that was awesome. <laughs> I was like, what the heck, man? I, I'm definitely not proud of it. Um, and definitely one thing that I wish I could erase from my memory. But yeah, it was a it was a crazy thing. I shockingly gained fans out of that somehow. But yeah, never never again. I just 
it, it's a tough part, right? <laughs> Open oh, mics all yeah. the time. And yeah, I mean, I, I usually don't really honestly cuss really much, honestly, like off the mic or anything like that. It's just, it's just one of those heat of, heat of the moment moments, I guess, right? A lot of things happening. And I will say, and for those that are going to listen into this, if you get the opportunity to watch a broadcast with Ruben, be prepared because when a, like, say we're 12 cars deep into qualifying and a guy comes out and he sets fast time, it is the best <laughs> fast time call you will ever get. I can guarantee you that. So, you know, that that is one thing, like, with the qualifying, and I said it earlier, I don't know how I don't know how you keep it straight, but you're like an auctioneer out there. I mean, you're just boom. But what's it like when those guys and – they come out and they set a new track record and you're the guy that gets to break that news to the people in the grandstands and the people watching at home. What's that feel like to you that you get to break that news to people that, so they know that so-and-so has a track record. Cause I'm going to be honest. That's a pre- I think that's a pretty big deal. Honestly, it's more pressure than anything. Cause I'm like, I don't want to screw this up. Right. If the track record is some goofy number, like 15, two, nine, four, you know, you got to look at those times. And if you say it's a new track record, you better damn hope it's under a 16, two, five, nine. You know what I mean? Like, so in my head, I, you know, I, we, how we said you play, do play by play for the fastest sport. I play, do play by play for the fastest motorsport. We are, our reaction times are definitely quicker than most, but man, when, when you're looking at the monitor, and you see that time and you're trying to do the math during that little time, you know what I mean? You're like, God, I better, yeah, no, yeah, we're good. Quick. And it's like, you for sure got that for certainness that it gets a track record. You just get fired up, man. You're like, Oh man. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, no, it's uh, it's not, it's nerve wracking a little bit. Cause you want to make sure you're accurate. Right. Um, one thing that I really pride myself in is always announce 100% accurate, true statements and stats and whatever. So <laughs> so uh, there's been times i think it's, it's been it's been twice there was a new track record and, and i kind of kind of mi- I, I didn't miss it but it took me to like that car hit the back straight away to be like it's a track record you know what i mean <laughs> oh yeah for sure. and and you said you mentioned my kryptonite when you say you know doing the math in your head man i'd be jumping out that window and running for the truck and heading home and be like man there's <laughs> math involved i'm out that's what that's what people make fun of me because I say, you know, math is my number one enemy on this planet. I hate math. I've always hated math. <laughs> and they're my, and my wife, even tells me, she goes, but you do something that involves having to do math. I'm like, well, yeah, that's math. I can handle. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, come on. It's, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's easy, right? Like if the track record is, is 14, seven flat, Oh, bam. Anything, anything 14, six or under is fair game. Bam. That's easy. I'll announce track record right there when it passes. But what I'm saying is when the track record is like 14, how I said 14, two, uh, nine, seven. Well, man, it, you know, it, it, there's going to be a lot of 14 second lap times above right. 14, two. Right. But if you see like a 14, two, eight that's a track record bam you know what i mean but it's just it's those little nitpicky things and you got to be careful because once you know going back to back to what we said you know uh oh god please don't let this be it right (laughs) when you make a mistake like that so yeah you just you just got to be nitpicky but when it's a super easy one oh man you're just i'm just on the chip and that was it's awesome and that was one thing i'm i'm one of the fairberry goers i like to sit under the covered grandstand 
and sometimes usually where we sit, you can get just a little bit here and there of what's going on over the loudspeaker. And this rings true for the summer nationals. So we're sitting there and I I don't, I don't, I couldn't tell you if it was group A, group B, irrelevant, but Shannon Babb sat fast oh, yeah. time in his group. And, you know, the crowd starts roaring and I'm, I'm sitting there cheering and my wife's like, what's going on? What's going on? I'm like, I'm guessing Babb sat fast time. And then, yeah, you can just hear just very faintly Ruben going fast time. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, and that was, you know, that's, I, I, I still think it's pretty cool that, you know, you're the guy that gets to break the news. It's kind of like, it's, it's fun, especially depending where you're at, right? Like, for example, uh, Farmer City, if Kevin Weaver goes quick time, oh, you milk that puppy out, right? Because, Kevin oh, Weaver is a legend there, right? If it's if it's Fairberry and McKay Winger goes quick time, you milk that sucker because the fans are going to eat that up and you keep, you know, you drag it out like the Reaper, McKay Winger, and like fans are just going to go nuts, right? Because it's McKay Winger. McKay Winger is the guy at Fairberry. So it just depends who it is. I mean, it don't matter if it's Brandon Chipper that goes quick time or, or Jimmy Owens. It, it doesn't matter. It just if it's a local guy, especially, you know what I mean? You just it's fun to play with the fans. So being, being a broadcaster, I know you got to kind of, you got to kind of be on that neutral ground. Cause I mean, you're yep. doing the same thing for everybody, but, and, and you can plead the fifth. Do you have a favorite driver? No, nah, man, it, I'm telling you, when you become a part of this deal, these guys become family to you. It's no different when I go talk to Mike Spatola or, or Jimmy Owens or Brandon Overton or Jonathan, you know, whoever it may be Shepard or Pierce or whoever it may be. It's just, I love these guys to death. Like, like, for example, do I, do I want to see, how can I put this? Like when, when, let's say there's, you have Bobby Pierce and Tyler Bruning up front battling it out. It's the final lap of this one. God, I love Bobby, but I, I want to see Tyler Bruning win. Why? Because Bruning has over 100 outlaw starts, over 100 Lucas starts, and he's never won a national race. I want to see Bruning win. But at the end of the day, if Pierce wins or if Shepard wins, it is what it is. I love them all to death. It, it's so hard to pick a favorite, man. And, and, and being in this industry, they're all my favorite. I'm just a big fan of all of them, right? Like, I don't care if you're uh, an average local guy, you know what I mean? It, it you love to see those guys win and succeed, right? Like I love, like, for example, it was Atomic last year, Adam Stricker, big time modified guy, just got into late model racing. He got in from the LCS and then he got in from his heat race the other night. Like I was going nuts for Adam Stricker because that's freaking cool. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it is what it is. And then you have a, a year where Pierce wins, I don't know, 14,000 races, it seemed like every single night. And like when I did summer nationals, he won a lot of them, surely won a lot of them. So it could get kind of boring announcing the same thing every once in a while, but also you got to keep in mind, guys, like we're in different eras. You got to appreciate this. Remember Shepard almost won every single outlaw race a couple years ago. Then you had the whole uh, Ricky Thornton era, or the Jonathan Davenport era, the, the Brandon Overton era. Then you had the Ricky Thornton Jr. Bobby Pierce era. Who knows what's going to happen this year, right? So you got to enjoy those moments and, and soak them all in. But no, man, I don't have a favorite. I love all these guys to death. Uh, I, I don't love, you know, um, I don't love, Chris Madden any more than I love Brent Larson and I don't love Brent Larson any more than I love Bobby Pierce or whoever it may be. You know what I mean? I love all these guys and it's just a big family on the road. And 
I don't know how, like for, for me being in, in junior hockey, you get to know the kids, you get to know their families and you, you kind of get that feeling like you're part of their success, not necessarily with the product, but getting to tell anybody that watches the story of them. Do you feel that same way about these drivers? I mean, cause you, you do, you, I mean, you go, you know, back in the pits, you see their successes and you see their failures. And in the, in the sport of racing, there's probably a hell of a lot more failures than there are the victories. And here's a great story. Dustin Walker, Todd Cooney, right? They were world of outlaw rookie of the years last year. Now they're in their second year. A lot of people hate on Dustin Walker, hate on Todd Cooney. You guys can hate on them all you want. They are out there strapping in, putting their helmets on, and doing more than what you would ever accomplish in dirt late model racing. We are at the banquet last year, and I'm interviewing uh, Dustin Walker. I was like, Dustin, you know, 15th in outlaw points. But let's be real. Even to get 15th is not easy to do in the world of outlaws. Like, think about it. you got to have a team, and it's him and his daughter. you got to have the financial side of it. you got to be a smart person, right? Like, he had his own company. He built his own company, and he sold it, and that's how he did the whole tour. So you got to you got to be smart to do this deal. It's not easy. So that's all I'm saying, man. I don't love Kay Dillard more than I love Todd Cooney. I don't love Dustin Walker more than I love Ryan Gustin or Dennis Herb Jr. Right? Like I love all these guys to death because how you said, I go to the pits. I talk to these guys. I get to know them on a personal level. And there's things that I can't say on the mic. There's things that I can't even say on here on this podcast right now right. that I know about Todd Cooney, that I know about Dustin Walker and, and challenges that they battle in their personal life and physicality, you know, things that they challenge that we, I can't talk about, you know what I mean? But it just makes you appreciate them a lot more. So every time you see Dustin Walker on the racetrack and he gets a top 20, hell yeah, man, I'm happy for him. You know what I mean? Oh, um, yeah. Anytime Todd Cooney goes out there and races his way into the feature, hell yeah, I'm happy for them, right? Like that's the thing about racing. And this is the biggest thing probably in racing that I'll say you will lose more than you win in this sport. It, it, it's true. I mean, it, you got to love this in order to do it, right? Like there's 22 outlaws this year. Guys, someone has to finish 20th. Yeah. Think about it. There's 22 of them. Someone has to finish 15th. Someone has to finish eighth. Someone's going to win. You know what I mean? Some, some of these guys may not ever get an outlaw win. And that's that's tough. You know what I mean? So so when you say, do I have a favorite or, or how close do I get to these guys? Man, these guys are family, man, because I'm very fortunate. I get to talk to these guys every day. Um, you know, I have their phone numbers. We'll talk every once in a while. You know, uh, we'll talk about business stuff. Then we'll talk about personal stuff. Uh, so, yeah, man, it's really neat to get that engagement. And, you know, getting to know these guys on a, a, a personal level. And that, you know, that's, that's something that's second to none. That's better than any job experience I think you'll ever have is creating those relationships with guys. What do you think? And th this is just a totally left field drawn on a napkin at the tavern type thing. Do you ever see there being a clash between the world of outlaws and Lucas oil? Like at the end of the season, those two series is coming together and having like a winner take all like ultimate world champion. Um, no, I don't think so. And I think that's why you have Eldora, right? But even Eldora, you don't get every Lucas driver. You don't get every outlaw driver there. But, um, I think that's what makes Eldora so special because that's a ticket or a pit pass to a race fan 
that is so special, right? And then you have outlaw events like the USA Nationals, like the Prairie Dirt Classic, um, and a couple others where Lucas don't run and, and vice versa, right? Like Lucas Oil, uh, we don't run against their North South 100, against their uh, Knoxville Nationals, whatever it may be. So those tickets are just a little more valuable to race fans because you get to see Bobby Pierce, Brandon Shepard against Devin Moran and uh, Jonathan Davenport, Tim McCready, whatever it may be, whoever it may be, right? Like all those guys are there. But no, I, I don't ever see that happening i just i just say that's why those events are so prestigious because you get the best of both worlds and in, in, in all honesty it it's just badass when when you get all the big guys at the same place right like eldora like your prairie dirt classic like your usa nationals that's just what make those events the magnitude of them right like you walk through the pit area and you feel the intensity how how insane would you go if like prairie dirt classic or and i'm gonna i'm just using the prairie dirt classic because that's my most frequent world of outlaws event but if there was a finish like there was a couple of years ago with bobby pierce mm -hmm. and brandon shepherd like would you be would you be almost out the window of that tower <laughs> paramedics would have to be there with an <laughs> oxygen tank <laughs> i'd be more out of breath than me walking up the stairs before i got there i'm telling you what uh yeah man i don't know I, and see that's another thing that a lot of people don't see behind the scenes like during this off season i went back and and, and watched a lot of the vault on dirt vision and i went back and watched our stuff i was like okay i said i spent a lot of hours on on here I was like, man, let, where do I got to improve? And I listened to myself. I was like, man, I, I didn't like the way I did that. I don't like the way I did that. And honestly, Tri-City last year, the hell of a finish between uh, uh, Bronson and Shirley. And that, that was a hell of a, a battle. And Bronson ended up winning. I went back and watched the replay. And I'm like, man, I just, I hate the way I called that ending because I kind of went way too high pitched and stuff like that. But I mean, it's just the heat, heat of the moment, heart of the moment, right? Like, you don't know what's going to happen. You're just all in, enjoying it. But like, like this past uh, go round at Volusia, the racing was so good. But what I did is tweaked it up a little bit, right? I, I put a little bit of silence in there. I kind of let the pictures tell the story and then I go in and go after it, right? Like it just, uh, that's a work in progress still. But yeah, you know, sometimes I'll lose my mind and, and try to, you know, uh, make it a legendary call. And sometimes I'll be like, all right, let's tone it down a little bit. Let's not go overboard, but let's still make it badass. So it's just uh, kind of the, the heat in the moment, what you're feeling like. And traveling around like you travel, you know, we talked about it. Do you have any like road horror stories? Like you're at the Waffle House and a guy with three fingers and a missing eye came walking in and did something goofy. Or, I mean, it, it, <laughs> I mean, there, there's got to be something on the road that just happened that's going to be stuck in your memory. That's going to be stories to tell for years. No, oh, man. I mean, anytime, anytime you walk into a Waffle House, you're, you're in for a show, right? I mean, that's funny. Uh, best ever Waffle House thing I ever walked into. We were in Atlanta last year and uh, we walk in nine in the morning. The like supervisors there, everyone's like, oh, good morning. Welcome to Waffle House. We're like, man, service is great here. We're like, well, let's go after the races. And after the races, took 45 minutes to get our drinks and stuff. I'm like, ah, you could tell the supervisor ain't here. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, no, um, crazy stories on the road. Um, Oh man, I, uh, I'm trying to think here. I don't know, man. Um, I'm really, I'm, I'm really not that, I'm not that crazy of a person to be honest. Um, <laughs> man, I, I wish I could, uh, I wish something would really pop up right away. Uh, if something pops up before, before we end here, I'll, I'll definitely bring it back up, but nothing really that comes to mind right now. Yeah. Cause that's what I was thinking. Like Brandon talking about traveling. I don't travel oh. with my hockey team. 
but I, I got to go when I was interning in, uh, in low a hockey, I was interning. We played the team out of Evansville four times in six days, including a stretch of three straight Friday. We were home Saturday. We were in Evansville Sunday afternoon. We were back home in Peoria. So they asked me if I wanted to go. Sure thing. I'd love to go. So I go on this road trip and, you know, we're driving the bus. The first indication I should have had to, and said, stop the bus. I want off. We were heading out of Peoria on I-74 going up the hill just across the river. And the bus driver goes, we're going to Knoxville, Tennessee, right? <laughs> I stuck it out. I stuck it out. So, yeah. So we, we get to Evansville. We unload, help the equipment guy unload the equipment. We go up to the press box. The broadcaster changes into his suit, and we do the game. We get done with the game. We get all the video. And me and the broadcaster at the time, we were sitting down at the loading dock. A couple guys walk by, and, you know, all the trunks and the stick bags and everything, they're sitting down on the loading dock. And it's like 1045. We were supposed to leave at 1030. <laughs> no later than. And uh, so then, you know, a couple guys walk by like, what's going on? Like, oh, you know, just wrapping up the stuff from the media side. Oh, cool. We have this this young rookie walks by first year out of college. He's like, what's up, guys? Like, oh, nothing. Just sitting here waiting for the bus. He goes, we're going to be waiting a while. And the broadcaster's like, pardon? He goes, yeah, a bus driver stopped to get a bite to eat, turn the bus off. When he went to start it back up, he blew a, blew a airline to the brakes. The bus doesn't have any brakes. Oh, boy. So needless to say, so I'm texting my wife. I'm like, yeah, buses broke down. We go through this. It finally ends up at 2 a.m. We There's a hotel hooked to the Ford Center in Evansville, Indiana. So we walk across the parking lot, get the hotel. We get into a room uh, between probably 2.45 and 3 a.m. for a 7 a.m. wake-up call. Get up, help the equipment guy load the bus, get on the bus. We get back to Peoria. 5.15 game. We pulled in. Right around four o'clock, the, the guys got off the bus, went to the locker room. They were eating sandwiches, getting dressed. And I mean, it was it was a boom, boom thing. But yeah, that that is my one horror story from the road. My one and only professional hockey road trip. And like the inevitable happens, the bus breaks down. And that's because I've had actually had some parents be like, man, we wish you traveled. You know, we, we love hearing you on on TV. I'm like, well. Our league doesn't even really allow a traveling broadcaster because we only have one broadcasting outlet in the uh, tier three arenas. So they like I do. I do do one road trip. I go to uh, Blaine, Minnesota in December, where all uh, thirty-four teams in our league come together in one. I say one building. It's a massive building. There's eight uh, eight rinks in this building, so I get to I get to do that. And there's no horror stories from that, fortunately. Other than I almost got, I've almost been hit by a puck out of play twice because you're so cold. <laughs> no, yeah. that's wild. Um, well, we like to go play golf in the world of outlaws. And uh, last year there was a bunch of us. It was Gordy Gundaker, Trevor Gundaker, Chris Madden, Johnny Scott. Uh, I don't know. There was, there was a ton of us that Steve Francis, we all went out and uh, Maddie Watkins, one of our outlaw officials, we all went out to play and <laughs> really nice course. Uh, probably one of the biggest reasons why I love going to Cedar Lake also probably about, I don't know, 30 minutes from there. Awesome golf course. And we're at this top, this par three, we're at the top of the tee box and the hole is about 120 yards out, but way down under, like it, it's a huge elevation change and we're all hitting and, you know, all having a good time. <laughs> and there's wild turkeys 
that start walking out of the woods, out of the green, and Chris Bannon goes to hit the dang ball and hits a turkey. Oh, man, we all started laughing. Um, yeah, um, I guess it's one of the wildest. Um, another wild story. Now they're starting to come. Now you were telling me you're starting to think. I know. Um, Summer Nationals uh, a couple years ago. I think this is three, might have been four years ago, uh, three years ago now uh this is probably the wildest thing that ever happened um we're going to Terre Haute I forget where we were the night before I think it was Montpelier or something and we're going to Terre Haute the next day well we wake up and we're heading to Terre Haute and we had left before the Dirt Vision team because the Dirt Vision team again they set up a lot more cords and wires so they, they kind of leave after us and sometimes we'll leave before them in the mornings and we had left before them and I get a call they're like hey uh are you guys still at the hotel? We're like, no, why? It's like, um, our stuff got stolen. I'm like, what? So the Dirt Vision trailer, somewhere in the middle of Indiana, again, we still, we don't know what happened. To it. It's gone. We still don't, never heard that they had called the cops. The Dirt, now, our Cade, he's very smart. Uh, he was a Brendan that year. They noticed when they're getting on the truck, ready to leave the tra- the back door was just open just a little bit. Just a little, just off a little bit. And they're like, hmm, that's weird. So they went to go close it. Like, ah, we should probably check. They opened the door. Dude, there's nothing in there. Like everything was, the only thing left was like the, the, the little pit bike scooter that they use. Like all the tote boxes, like everything is gone. We have a race in a couple hours at Terre Haute, guys. We got to go live on Dirt Vision. Luckily for me, it's just easier for me back then on Summer Nationals to get all my announcing equipment. Like I have, three big old boxes that I carry up and down or two boxes and my other little stuff. I put that in the dirt car, summer nationals, dirt car trailer. Um, I don't know what they do now, but I, I always kept that with me. So thankfully I still had that stuff. And one of our camera guys at the time had two cameras in, in his trunk of his car. And we went live with all six, seven, eight, things that I had in my bag and somehow we made it happen. I didn't even announce from the tower. I did not announce from the tower at Terre Haute. I had to announce from the outside of the track at the top of this old wooden camera stand. I'm announcing next to the camera guys, guys with like, it it was the most bizarre thing ever. Um, Yeah. The officer said, I don't know what he said. They, they don't know anything. Yeah. Everything got stolen. We don't. Yeah. That, broadcast was a miracle because that was the probably the most craziest thing that ever happened brandon i i know you've got something well there's one that i can say on the podcast and one that i can't say on the podcast (laughs) so we're gonna go with the one that i can say on the podcast so um i don't know if it was because you know i'm uh i was new to the to the broadcasting industry or you know first play-by-play gig full-time but I was at the showcase in Blaine, Minnesota, and with our league, the North American Hockey League, that starts our year. Those are our first four games. Um, so all 32 teams get there. We play at the first four rinks in the front, and game one goes by, terrible broadcast, whatever, throw it in the garbage, 6-3 to three loss. And second game comes around, and and I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm getting my sheets, and... Normally, they print your spotter sheets off for the players about 45 minutes before the game. So I'm I'm ready to go. You know, all right, I listened back to my broadcast last night. I know what I want to change. I know what I got to do. I grab the sheets. 
brand spanking new player on the on our roster. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I immediately text the group chat of, of like our front office. And I went, we have a new player and I don't know who this kid is. <laughs> so I rush to the rink where, and I set up, I plug in my computer and this, and I'm just falling on research on this kid. Max Trepo, number 20, Shaker Heights, Ohio, yada, yada, yada. Played uh, Maine Nordiques 18U AAA last year. Had two goals. This, this, this. And I'm writing all this stuff down and I'm starting to lose track of time. I've got 10 minutes before the game starts. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to do my pregame show. I got to this. So I pull up all the tabs on my computer and I go live probably three minutes before puck drop. And I'm sitting here and welcome into the Blaine Super Rink, rink number two here in Blaine, Minnesota. Oh my goodness. I really <laughs> like barely, barely had enough time to fit all my information in right yeah. before they dropped the puck. And for that to be my second broadcast, Oh my goodness. After that, like there weren't, there weren't too many instances where I was unprepared or, you know, <laughs> didn't know about transactions like that, but that was, that was crazy. I, I feel you. I've been there first time I ever did summer nationals. I, you know, it was my first time in the Midwest ever. I'd never been to the state of Illinois. We're at Kankakee and dude, I'm still typing notes in hot laps. <laughs> 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 you know how I do my thing for qualified. I had none of them sponsors typed. I was like, I got to get this done. It, it was gnarly. Yeah, I feel that. That's it's a rush. Yeah, I went to Kankakee uh, last year. Yeah, last year I was. Right. It's a cool little place. They, they do. A oh good yeah, job I, I mean, I used to live not too far from it. Um, the wife and I, we after we moved out of Peoria for a few months before we moved to Midland, um, we lived in Oswego, Illinois, which you have Grundy oh. Speedway there. You have Kankakee Sycamore is not too far, and I went to Sycamore as a kid, so being close again was really yeah. nice. Oh, Best man. pit area in all dirt lake model racing, Sycamore Speedway with all the, <laughs> yeah, the willow trees and the lake. I love that place. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you, um, okay. Now it's happened to me, Josh, you can say if this has happened to you, do you ever get criticized for bringing too much energy? Oh, all the time. I, <laughs> yeah, all the time. And, and I'm not going to lie. I toned it down a little bit at the beginning of this year on moments that probably don't need as much energy. Um, but you know, when, when the energy is needed, like a starting lineup or, or, you know, badass battle for the lead or something, you know, or, you know, slider that came from nowhere, you know, those yeah. moments definitely need it qualifying how we talk about. Um, oh yeah. All the time. But I also get a lot of messages like, you know, what you guys just told me a lot of comments and stuff, man, I love the energy. I love when you bring it. Yeah. And actually there was actually a, who was it that just told me, I think it was David Stremme. Was it David Stremme? I think it was David Stremme. He told me at Charlotte, he's like, you know, I like your style. Cause sometimes we'll be watching the races and you know, they're at the garage with a couple buddies and stuff. And we will just be, you know, doing our thing. And we know when to watch that TV because you get excited. And when you get excited, we know to start watching and we know it's on. You know what I mean? So stuff like that. And some people will be like, man, you just keep it entertaining and 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 stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I definitely get criticized for it. But, hey, that's my style. That's who I am. And and if I – listen, here's the thing. And that's why I tell you don't listen to – to, to keyboard warriors because if we weren't energetic they'd call us librarians and say we're boring it Absolutely. you never you never win you never Amen. win so just be you hey listen i i can tell you 100 percent god's honest god's honest truth right here a couple weeks ago volusia speedway park the thrill for mooresville nick hoffman <laughs> two weeks in a row nick hoffman's name has made this right 
Yeah. So Nick Hoffman, a last lap pass coming out of Forrest Slider, and Ruben had me almost jumping off the couch. My wife's looking at me like I'm nuts. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, and 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 I, you know, that's one thing. Yeah, I, I had when when I first started in geese, said I don't care what you do, I don't care what you say, just bring the energy, and I've kind of maintained that my four years there. And yeah, this is the first year actually our production team because our production team is off site and we communicate via text. Mm. And I had a goal call and maybe I go over the top. Maybe I don't, I don't know. I know people like it. I know my very first, the first game I did with Brandon when he was my intern and I hit my goal call, all I could see was the bottom of his shoes. Cause I scared the living bejesus out of him. <laughs> this, this is the first, this is the first year. Yeah. That I've had, I've had them send me messages in a, in a couple of different times that, you know, Hey, you know, tone it down a little bit. It's like, man, pe people pay money to watch mm. this. At home. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna sit there and yell and scream and you know be a be a a jackass, but that guy watching at home, yeah, I don't want him to think I'm a librarian on the side. And you bring up a good point. A lot of people will say, "Stop screaming." One, I'm not screaming. If I was screaming, I would not have a voice left. There's a difference between using your uh, your your core, right? You got to use the core. Oh, sure. There's a science. So here's one thing that. I, I haven't even gotten into, and I've never even talked about with anyone. This is one thing that I work on. I, I'm a marching band kid. I was in marching band all of high school, college. We learned how to do breathing exercises. We learned how to, you know, properly, you know, how, how the air flows inside our bodies from the lungs to the whatever. I don't want to get too scientifical, but like I do breathing exercises mm. to sustain a long period of time talking sometimes people say damn take a breath well i'm not even out of breath bud i still got a half a tank to go <laughs> so <laughs> you know i i do breathing exercises um where you inhale for four hold for four out for four and then you do the same thing but instead you do out for eight you have to keep a constant airflow for eight seconds but make sure you're all out and then you do 12 and 16 seconds if you're interested in doing that it's something you don't have to i'm just saying i'm a nerd i think of those little things I want to have air, right? I mean, if we have no air, we're screwed, right? We can't do anything. So I do breathing exercises and I'm not screaming. People will say, oh my God, stop screaming. It sounds like nails on a chalkboard. I'm here to tell you, but I am not screaming. I, I'm very enthusiastic. I get excited, but I know the difference between being excited and exciting. There's a difference between that. Think about that. I'll say it again. There's a difference between being excited and exciting. If I'm excited, I'm just going off. But if I'm exciting, you know, the ears to other people, the viewers are like, damn, this is this is good. Right. Like you have control of, of my excitement. So I'm glad you brought up the whole screaming part because I am never screaming. It may sound like I'm screaming sometimes. Maybe just have terrible speakers. Sorry. Um, but I mean, honestly, I'm really not screaming. I just get more up pitch, I guess, so to say. And just I crescendo my voice. I, I louder. I project a little louder but I'm not screaming. I promise if I was screaming, you'd, you'd hear me screaming and I'd, I'd be hoarse. Cause yeah, you just gotta oh, know yeah. how to use, you use your air. Well, and, yeah, and you, yeah, you're absolutely right there. And I, I think back about it and I think, so when I, when I was going to broadcasting school, we had to do a weekly voice coaching session with voice coaches to, you know, to enunciate and speak clearly. And I think back and I'm like, 
shit, they never taught me how to enunciate and speak clearly when I'm talking fast doing play by play. <laughs> it's funny because Springfield Raceway, Springfield, Missouri. Oh, I forget his name. I could picture him and everything. Awesome dude. He was the announcer. They're not Kenton. I think it is Kenton, actually. It might be the other guy. He, uh, he moved to St. Louis, got a job or something. He had to leave Springfield Raceway. Well, he never really got to announce the super late models because the only time they really had them was Summer Nationals. And when I do the Dirt Car Summer Nationals, I do the announcing. So one time they had a show, I think it was a turkey bowl. Well, they always have the turkey bowl. Um, but I don't know. I guess he announced it for the first time or something. And he he tweeted me out or, or Facebook. Yeah, it was Facebook. And he's like, man, Ruben, I don't know how you do it. I was out of breath eight laps in and there was still a lot of laps to go. I don't know how the heck you do it. That was awesome. Like he was out of breath just, and it's funny, right? Because people don't think about that. Again, keyboard warriors don't think about these things, right? Like, I don't know. I mean, it, it's just, you know. It's uh, there's a lot that goes into it. There, there's yeah. a there's a ton that goes into it, and I remember. So when I when I started actually going back to gain my higher education, I went to community college. I throwed at Illinois Central College, and I you know I had a I had a communications professor that I just bonded with real well, and they at, at that point in time, I don't know if they still do it, but they used to have the NJCAA Women's National Tournament at Illinois Central College. And my professor after class he goes, "Hey, I want to talk to you after class." I'm like, not a good sign, you know, in my head, in my high school experiences, but you know, this is well after high school. But anyway, he goes, "Hey, yeah, so they they do the NJCAA tournament. They want people to do play-by-play broadcasting. Would you be interested?" I'm like, "Oh, shoot, yeah. I'll do, you know, I'll do games." He's like, "All right." So he goes, "I'll, I'll get you the information." You know, we'll put your name in so they know. I'm like, cool. So I'm like driving home and I'm like, what did I get myself into? I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So I text my wife. She's like, that's awesome. That's awesome. I was like, I don't know what to do. I have no clue what I'm doing. I've never done it before. I've always wanted to do it. That's what I'm going to college to do. But And so like I did the one thing that came to my mind is, and I use social media and I, I sent a message to a broadcaster, a professional broadcaster and said, I've never done this. I'm getting this opportunity. What do I do? And he, you know, he laid the framework for me. And I always think back and I, I remember situations like that. Like, you know, if someone were to come up to me, I wouldn't be like, deal with it yourself, figure it out. You know, it's always helping that other guy, but yeah, doing that. And it was like, man, you get that experience and, you know, basketball, I mean, I'm not a basketball fan, you know, and I, I didn't take it as taking one for the team because still you had, you know, like I did uh, Pima Community College there. Uh, I believe there's somewhere in Arizona, I do believe, um, uh, you know, community college up in Michigan, right off of Lake Michigan, Lake Michigan Community College. Not all them parents can go. Yeah. So, you know, you're you're doing this game and these parents are watching and I, I was doing and it was actually, I was doing Lake Michigan and Pima Community College, and Pima Community College is has a high uh, enrollment of Native American students. And I remember I had this lady come up to me, and she goes, Sir, I want to let you know I had so-and-so's mom send me a text. She goes, You are doing a wonderful job. She goes, And it's okay to call a female by her last name. I was like, Oh, my gosh, thank God. Because, you know, in, in you yeah. know, hockey, you use last names. And 
Like all I could think about doing women's basketball was calling a female by her last name and feeling the hand of my grandma come across my face <laughs> and say, but yeah, so that, that was, that was one experience. I was like, but yeah, you know, it always feels good. And I think, you know, I take, and I don't know about you guys. I always take the positive when people say, you know, you do a great job. We love listening to you. I take that way more than I take, you know, the, the 10 people that say you suck. Well, that's exactly what I was talking about earlier at the top of the show, right? Like, when keyboard warriors go out there or, you know, if someone says something to me like, Oh, you suck. Okay. Whatever. Right. Like I'm what, what am I supposed to gain from that? Right. But if someone says, man, like you said it, it, it's, it's so in marching band, we call that a crap sandwich and it's a, it's a way to teach someone. So a crap sandwich is when you tell someone something positive about them, they're going to listen to you. You got their attention. Well, then you tell them something negative that you don't like, you want to, you want them to fix it. And then you end it with something positive to end it on a good note. So that's exactly what she did to you. She gave you a crap sandwich. She told you something nice. Hey, I really like you. Then she gave you the negative. Well, there's the crap, right? So she's like, you call him by last name. So it's the same thing, right? So like when, when, when fans throw crap sandwiches at me, absolutely, I'm going to take a look at them, right? Like I'm going to listen to them. I, and again, I, I don't see all these. There's internet is massive. It's, it's too big. Um, and it is what it is, right? But like, if it's a legitimate argument, someone says, Hey, you know, you're doing great. This, this, whatever. Or maybe they don't say something positive. They're like, you know, just like, man, I just kind of wish you didn't do this, do the, this, that way, that way. Or, you know, this is maybe this too much. I'll take it into consideration. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, guys, that's, that's my take on that. And one last thing before we part ways here on this lovely evening, being in the broadcasting world, you know, broadcasters, we broadcast everything. So we do hockey, you do racing, there's basketball, there's football. But like we'll we'll say, for instance, when you get to the world finals in Concord at the dirt track at Charlotte, when you have Johnny Gibson with you and then the super dirt yeah. car boys, do you guys get together and kind of like give tips on like, you know, like Johnny Gibson's been doing this a long time and be like, you know, like in this situation, like a preparation, what do you do? And then he kind of gives his take on it. Do you guys do that? Um, no, not necessarily. I mean, we definitely, we're just, I mean, for example, so this is my very first time announcing in the booth. I've pit reported world finals three times. I think it is three times might be four for sure. Three times. And I, uh, never really got to go up to the booth this year. You know how we said I got there a couple days earlier. I got to go set up with Johnny, me, Johnny setting up two days before the event. And, we go up there and we, we'll just talk, you know, it's just basic talk. Like Johnny knows who I am. I know Johnny is obviously we worked together before and, and we just talk about setup stuff. We don't really say this, this and that. Uh, Mike Warren with the super dirt car series. He, he'll tell me, Hey, this is the songs I'm going to use. Don't use these songs. Like, okay, perfect. You know, we work around with playlists, stuff like that. Yeah. That way it's not kind of repetitive throughout the night. We don't, we all don't have the same four wide songs. That's kind of something that we do touch on, but uh, no, nah, for the most part, I mean, we, we know what we're doing. We kind of just stay in our lane. And honestly, I don't see Johnny and I don't see Mike really till we get to the tower because I'm so busy with the late models. We have six, we have the one, we have the most cars on property at Charlotte, the late models, sprint cars, you know, they have a lot of cars. Johnny's busy doing that. Mike's busy doing big block stuff. So no, we really don't sit down and come up with a game plan. We just kind of come up with a game plan of like, all right, like the, the tower at Charlotte's very tiny. So we just talk about, there's only room for two, two announcers to sit at a time. So we'll be like, all right, you know, 
well, I'm doing this, you guys get up and switch. And then while you're doing that, I'll get up and switch and I'll move my computer, you know, just little stuff like that. But like announcing technical, a lot of stuff like that wise, no, but Johnny is greatest of all time, right? Like he's, he's a legend, right? Sprint car hall of fame. He's done this for a long time. He will give us, you know, um, advice. I'll be like, Johnny, like, what do you think I should do? He's like, no, you did good. And I'm like, are you sure? I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, you know, are you sure? He's like, yeah. And then sometimes like this past time, he gave me some advice. He's like, Hey, at the end of the night, he was like, Hey, uh, how about you do this this way? Or, or don't do that. Or how about you do this? And I appreciate that a lot. Right. Cause that's big. So um, we don't do it religiously, but we, we definitely have those moments. Absolutely. I, I, honestly, I had that a lot with, with Eshelman. Uh, I love, you know, there's nothing more satisfying than someone telling you, Hey, good job. Right. Like, we all need that in our lives, no matter what we do. Um, he would call me and rip me new ones sometimes, right? He'd be like, why the heck would you do that? Why you do that? Do that this way. Do that that Like, I miss that the most. I, I love people, you know, saying, oh, good job. But I also miss a mentor. I miss someone saying, you need to do better. That was not good. You know, and it's nitpicky things, right? Nitpicky things. And that's what he used to do with me. And that, that's what grew me and shaped me, thankfully, to be where I'm at today, um, but I really don't have that much nowadays. And I'm glad you bring that up because I, I look up to Johnny. I look up to Essex. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there, there, I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of good announcers out there, but I don't have that one mentor. Like I had Rick ran Rick was, we'd be on the phone daily. We talk every day. He, he'd, he'd tell, like, he'd send me pictures sometimes. Like, what do you see wrong with this? This is my very first year doing summer nationals. Like, what do you see wrong with this? He sent me a picture of me interviewing Shepard, me interviewing Shirley. He's like, what's wrong with this? And I'm like, um, I have my clipboard in my hand that shows weakness. He's like, nope, but good point. Get rid of the clipboard. I'm like, okay. I'm like, what's wrong? He's like, come on, dude, it's clear. And I'm like, I don't know. It's like, you're wearing shorts. That looks so unprofessional. Don't wear shorts. And I'm like, damn, like it's little things like that, that I never really thought of. Right. Like now yeah. I take, I take pride. Like I make, I mean, I've always made sure my stuff is ironed and, and look good and stuff like that, but I never thought shorts would be a bad thing. Right. Like it's those little things that he used to get on my ass about that I miss the most, but no, nah, man, um, you bring it. That's a great question. Me and Johnny will, we're just have evolution together. Right. Uh, we'll sit down together and just chit chat and little tidbits here and there. But honestly, we've, I think I've come to a point and I'm not saying I'm perfect because I will never say I'm perfect. And, and I will admit, I still make mistakes to this day and it's just hard, right? What we do, we're, we're not, we're not, we're not like the news or like, I hate to say it, but like, ESPN, Fox, like I've seen the way they operate behind the scenes. A lot of them have teleprompters, man. A lot of their stuff is pre-recorded when you're seen live. Like what you see live, they took multiple takes on. I hate to say it. That, that's not some oh. of it. A lot of it's not live. And a lot of people don't know that because of the picture that we paint as a broadcast um, and streaming wise, sometimes the stuff that, that you see is like Hannah's interviews in the pre-race. Sometimes those aren't live. Those are pre-recorded sometimes. Um, so, you know, and like with me, it's, it's dead on like we're alive right like uh, we're rolling it's what you know whatever comes up next so it, it's uh one of those things that we just sit down and yeah man you did a good job on that and if something johnny doesn't like he'll he'll correct me but yeah it's uh it's uh how can i say it it's come to a point where i've found a beat to my own drum i i have a, a system i have a routine and i'm just perfecting it. like i'm just finding it right like I've come to the point where I don't need to learn little basic things. Like it's more of just, I found my style. I found what I do. We have the same run of show all the time. Let's just perfect the little areas and my gray areas. And that that's really it.
That's awesome. Well, Ruben, I I want to thank you so dearly for coming and joining us here, especially on short notice. For those of you that don't know, it was extreme short notice that I just contacted Ruben yesterday to come on and join us. Appreciate it so very, yeah. very, very much. And your time and your expertise. Cannot wait to tune into Dirt Vision here coming up. What is it, March 22nd? Yeah, getting ready to rock and roll. Uh, yeah, March 22nd, 23rd at Thunder Hill Raceway uh, in Tennessee. Looking forward to that. And we'll be at your neck of the woods, uh, just on the eastern part of the state, at the Farmer City Raceway for the Illini 100, April 12th and 13th. Uh, there's a practice on that Thursday, the 11th, and and so on and so forth. So, yeah, uh, Josh, Brandon, thank you guys for having me on here as uh, the officially second guest on episode three. So for everyone uh, tuning into this broadcast and you made it this far, thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to us. Um, again, what was Chatter? What's chatter, the from, chatter from the Cheap Seats. Chatter from the Cheap Sheets. I love it. Hey, make sure to give it a like, give it a follow, whatever platform you're listening to this on. These guys do a great job. And guys, I'm going to have to listen to some of your guys' commentary stuff on, on hockey stuff. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you guys for having me. And we'll, we'll see you down the road at some Outlaw shows. And for everyone tuning in, don't forget, go to DirtVision.com. Watch every lap live of the greatest shows on dirt. Absolutely fantastic segue. Thank you, Ruben. And everybody, thank you for listening to Chatter from the Cheap Seats. Mm -hmm.